businesses in the Northeast are like excellent problem solvers. Mm-hmm. We're used to just getting out there and getting stuff done, not necessarily, you know, waiting for a big kind of investment round to do something. And what I think the mission approach can do is it can take that innate problem solving ability and that ability just to do something on the fly mm. that works, but then let's capture it and scale it up. Let's get that plugged into the places where it needs to be used. So business can do not just you know ad hoc projects, but taking something and scaling it up and that really being a growth engine for their business. Uh, well, welcome to the podcast, Sarah, and uh, great to have you here in the studio. Really looking forward to chatting to you about your, your work and everything like that. So yeah, welcome. Thank you very much. Brilliant. And obviously we, we want to talk about mission-led innovation uh, as kind of the theme of today's conversation. But before we kind of define what that is and, and, and get into that, do you want to just start off by telling me a little bit about your kind of background and career and, and how you became interested in this area? Yeah, um, so I think really what led me into it was after I kind of finished uni, I just got the first job I could get in order to pay the bills and ended up working for a really fast growing SME based in the Northeast. And that was a really eye-opening experience. I got a chance to kind of be at the coalface, to be working with people who wanted to do things differently and had the ability to make changes. And that was not something that I'd ever experienced in school or even in university. It was very theoretical. It was very, um, you know, you alone with the books and the question, and then, you know, you get your grade or whatever it is. And it was the first time that I really felt the ability to kind of move quickly, to work with other people and to see changes. Mm. Uh, And that was really rewarding. And that led me into the innovation space that I'm in now, if you want to call it that. Um, I went into, uh, I did a a master's at Newcastle University in innovation. And then I went into a uh, research role um, up at the University of St. Andrews and the University of Dundee. I was looking at the relationship really between business and design, which was a much kind of newer field when when I moved into it. And it was really looking at, you know, um, we know that design thinking or design-led innovation can have a lot of impact, but we don't really know enough about what it can do, particularly for smaller businesses. So that was where I started really digging into the area that I'm working in now. It was how can we take kind of collaborative, human-centered approaches to innovation and make them work for small businesses? And that's kind of led me to where I am now, taking that collaborative approach, bringing people together who might work together and might have priorities in common, but just with business as usual, don't get the time to have either the conversations they need to have or the support to advance um, 
priorities for innovation and change that they would like to, to tackle. Okay. And obviously you've been doing this for, for quite a while now. So have you seen people have become more receptive to, you know, that kind of design thing and innovation themes and things like that? Um, have businesses particularly become kind of more receptive and more interested in this, would you say? I would say yes and no. It's become um, a lot better understood. The terminology gets used a lot more. I think with that, just to be, you know, because I am, I would call myself a, a design thinker. However, um, I'm very conscious of the criticisms that are used about that. There's a lot of people who go to a workshop with a load of post-its and there's a lot of energy and then they think they're a design thinker at the end of it, when in reality, we all know change is really, really hard and that is maybe one step to get people having the right conversations, but what comes off the back of it. So I do think there's a, a much greater um, awareness of different types of innovation methods and how you use them well. There's a lot of expertise in the region that are pushing that. And I think we've also had kind of a, you know, if, if you look at maybe design sprints or other collaborative workshop type activities, there's a bit of a honeymoon where the energy was really big and people were really excited about these kind of methods. Then there was maybe a little bit of skepticism that smaller businesses weren't seeing all of the impacts they wanted to see from this. They were having great initial conversations, but that wasn't necessarily opening as many doors for them as they would like. And now I think we've seen that kind of dip and there's a lot more consciousness um, in innovation you know, advocates for how do we use that as a starting point, but then how do we make sure that there's an onward trajectory for smaller and medium-sized businesses if they get inv involved in innovation activity? It's not just about talking about ideas, it's about actual opportunity and building that with the key partners they need to be working with. Yeah, so I, I guess it's it's the challenge that you've got from obviously the, the larger corporates who are initially more receptive to this are have the time and resources to, to put into innovation initiatives and, and things like that. Whereas if you were in a smaller business, right, obviously, you know, time poor, kind of resource poor and things like that. So, and, and, and maybe don't have as long to explore these, these new ways of working and thinking. So a big part of your work, would you say, is to, is to try and uh, encourage the, the smaller businesses as well to see the benefits of doing mm -hmm. this and, and some sort of practical tips about how they can get involved? Yeah, absolutely. I think the one thing, there's a few kind of North Stars in my work that I try to uh, live by, having been a small business myself and knowing how difficult it is to find the, the mental bandwidth as well mm. as the time and resource to make something happen. So one kind of um, rule that I try to live by is that Every organization that gets involved in a, an innovation program that we're running gets at least as much value out of it as they put in. Mm. So that could be you maybe attend one event and you maybe, you know, you maybe you might be on a panel or you might just be part of a discussion on a table. You're giving up your valuable time. You're moving things around in, in your diary, but you will be making connections and building a shared understanding and a deeper understanding of where the opportunities for change lie than you did if you hadn't gone. Right, yeah. If you are kind of going on a long, like a longer term program where there's commitment of time, there might be a commitment of kind of your staff resource, perhaps. We want to make sure that if we're directing businesses to look at a certain area or, you know, direct their efforts in a certain direction, and we could talk about how innovation missions and innovation challenges do that. Mm. I want to make sure that for all the businesses that get involved, we can't make any guarantees, but those are real opportunities that sit there. We've done some of the work to validate and clarify what mm. the potential opportunity is. And then an SME can make a decision about whether this is something that they want to dedicate yeah. their time and effort to at this stage or not. So that's one of the things that kind of really sits with me that everything we do, it's about, uh, the term is a bit of a kind of jargony one, but it's de-risking the innovation process. Mm. It's innovation fails because we see it as one organization trying to figure out what is the problem I'm trying to solve? who has this problem and do enough people have it that I can actually um, make a business out of this? Is the marketplace there essentially? Then they've got to come up with a solution that fits that problem. Then they've got to think of, well, how am I going to finance this? What's mm. the business model that fits around it? Maybe it doesn't happen in exactly those steps, but those are the four kind of main things you've got to do. That sounds straightforward, but if you're a business, you know how many dead ends you've gone down, how many kind of, you know, walls you bumped up against. And we talk very Absolutely. positively about pivoting, yeah. but um, yeah, that's the reality. And most innovation fails because you're one organization trying to go on this really arduous journey on your own. You're trying to do it by yourself. Yeah. 
and if we can do anything to at least help define what is the problem and who has it and are they committed right now at this time to tackling it then we can be a lot more confident about making introductions between maybe either larger partners or clusters of activity with innovators and businesses that might have the solutions that could really make a difference. Okay, which I think brings us beautifully on to the Challenge North Tyne mm-hmm. project, right? So very much touching at the heart of, of what you're saying there. But I guess to somebody who might be listening to this who hasn't heard of the, the project before, and do you want to just take me through the, the history of that, that scheme? It's been going since sort of the back end of 2020, is that right? Um, we've had, not this particular one, but we've had multiple um, challenge programs. I okay. think, for example, um, Innovation Super Network ran uh, an ageing accelerator, ageing challenge program back in 2019 okay. with the support of the National Innovation Centre for Ageing, I believe. Um, but this particular program, it launched earlier this year, but it builds on similar programs that we've run in the past. So to give you an example, um, during COVID, we um, established a program with the Northeast LEP, so that was Innovation Super Network and the Northeast Local Enterprise Partnership, working on a program called Challenge Northeast. And that was a very short, kind of intensive short-term project looking at addressing the problems that were being caused or made worse by COVID-19. Right. So we basically brought a lot of partners collaboratively together, looked at all of the different areas where, um, you know, negative impacts are being felt, recognised that this programme was a six-month programme and we couldn't do a huge amount um, with that. So we had to narrow our focus on challenges that we knew we could make an impact against um, and run that kind of what I I would be proud to say is very successfully. We've seen a number of stories of success that have come out of that. And it was from the success of that approach that we have launched the Challenge North Tyne project. Okay. And in terms of the partners that are involved, obviously Innovation Super Network mm-hmm. being being the kind of um, the catalyst, we, we could maybe say for the, for the project, what other kind of partners are, are involved? Uh, Innovation Super Network and the Northeast Local Enterprise Partnership are partners in delivering Challenge North Tyne. Okay. It's being funded by the North Tyne Combined Authority. And broadly, what its um, goal is, is to define key missions that are priorities for the North Tyne area. It's about making the what is the what is the problem we're tackling, what are the opportunities for change, uh, what resources are available to tackle that, and then making that clear to um, small and medium-sized businesses that operate in North of Tyne who think, actually, I've got an idea or I've got an existing solution that could really address the problem that they're trying to tackle there. Okay, and the funding that's available... Uh, through the scheme, there is a fund element to businesses as well. Mm-hmm. You're probably part of that de-risking of the innovation process as well. Mm-hmm. So there is um, kind of different types of support, but there is a financial element of the support as well. There is. Like I said, I think, you know, with small businesses, they've got a huge amount of innovation knowledge and they can really make changes and they can move really quickly that larger businesses can't necessarily do. But you're asking a lot of a small business to, you know, develop an idea without any guarantee of success at the end of it. And because these areas are so important, we've been able to secure small amounts of funding that we're calling prototype funding for businesses that apply when the challenges launch. Uh, Any SME that operates in the north of Tyne will be eligible to apply to say, this is my idea. This is how I think it can address the problem. And they can get up to £5,000 to pay for anything they need to test out their idea in collaboration with any partners that we are already working with that they would like an introduction to. So to get that kind of um, proof of concept or something like that, you can yeah. help with with things for that. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the the whole um, sort of purpose of, of of the of the challenge, right, is is this kind of mission led mm-hmm. innovation. So, yeah, if if again somebody listening to this hasn't heard about that before, what is mission led innovation or innovation missions? How is it different from? I guess, regular innovation or, mm-hmm. or, 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 you know, coming up with solutions to, to, to key problems and, and, and again, touching on those kind of open innovation themes as well. Just give me a flavour of kind of that bird's eye view of what this, what this is all about. Mm-hmm. So mission-led innovation, and there's a few different terms for it, as you'll understand, I think this is uh, a developing field. So terminology can be different for different organisations, but um, the... UK government in its most recent innovation strategy highlighted uh, innovation missions as a key pillar of innovation that they want 
innovators and businesses and local government to be really kind of addressing. And basically what innovation missions are, they are uh, defined um, kind of problem statements that are defined usually by a number of partners that say, this is a priority for us. We really want to tackle this area. It is launched to the wider community and there is a support system in place. And the goal is that we state that this is a mission that we want to achieve and the we have a, a set amount of time and set goals that we want to achieve. So it's almost like a, you've got maybe a, you know, a goal in the far distance. You might want to decarbonize the economy. You might want to support um, all the people to live happier lives. But how do you define that as a defined mission? Mm -hmm. So, for example, a couple of the areas that UK government is asking us to respond to are areas like clean growth and aging. How do we decarbonize our economy whilst also delivering the economic benefits that we want to deliver? And how do we support what is an aging society effectively? Right. Okay. So those would be the mission. So those would be the missions, if you like, mm -hmm. right? To decarbonize the economy, to support elderly people, to be kind of like functioning members of society mm -hmm. well into their uh, elderly years. That's the that is the goal, if you like. And and the the innovate and then the kind of work that needs to be done is the the innovation side of it, right? So it's right. How do we get from where we are now, mm -hmm. uh, where we have these kind of social and economic uh, problems that, that we know that we need to address and what role can businesses play, if you like, in, in helping us come up with these solutions to those mm -hmm. problems. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I think, yeah, just to, just to kind of move on from, from that a bit, I think how is mission led innovation, I guess, different from other, other types of innovation? Is mm -hmm. it that there is this um, kind of social problem that needs to be solved as part mm -hmm. of this? Is it that there's an environmental problem that needs to be solved as part of this? Um, it's not just a case of like a business developing a new product or service to help them grow yeah. type thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a really interesting question. I think with innovation, and I want to say with you know in, what we call them innovation mich missions or innovation challenges. Yeah. Um, then this isn't a brand new approach, um, but it is becoming kind of a more validated approach. And we're hoping that more organizations can understand it and see the value of it to get involved. If we look at something, for example, maybe like open innovation, um, it's trying to achieve a number of the same things, but typically what happens with open innovation is you have one large partner that is building maybe sort of a, the structure so it can innovate openly. It can um, work better with external partners. Okay. It can say, look, these are issues that we're seeing within our organization and we are able to collaborate externally to see where the solutions are. So it might be we're tapped into research and we think actually we could adopt this into our business to develop new products or services. It could be that we've identified a new value proposition that doesn't fit within our business. We want to spin it out as a separate arm. Um, and there are lots of overlaps in best practice with open innovation, like, you know, the need to be collaborative, the need to um, have a broader view on the horizon and be more open to new ideas and be able to foster them and test them out in a quick and agile way that doesn't require loads of resource upfront okay. so that you know that you're going on the right track. Typically with open innovation, it is managed by one Large, one large partner, yeah. So okay. it, often when we talk about it, it might be the example of, um, you know, to use an example of local companies or companies that are based locally, a Procter & Gamble or an Axon Bell have an open innovation program and okay. they're really tapped into what's going on externally, but they are the driver behind that. They have the systems and processes mm -hmm. that enable them to collaborate with external partners. Yes. With innovation missions... Um, and there are different, we can talk about this a bit more, the different levels of complexity and collaboration needed for different types of Projects, missions that you okay. might want to tackle. Um, so I'll go into that a bit in more depth. But typically innovation missions are a bit more collaborative. Um, if you may be aware of like the analogy in business of, you know, you can be an incredibly intelligent executive or business leader or, you know, researcher, someone who's really plugged in but you only maybe have a view of the tip of the iceberg of the issues within your organization, let alone what sits outside of that. 
And that's why kind of collaborative activity is really important. It's why open innovation is really important mm. because it enables staff within an organization to say, well, I work on the front line or I work in this department and you're totally unaware of this. And, you know, we really want to solve it, but we keep getting knocked back. What support is there to sort this out? Because it's, right, the, it's okay. the bane of my day to day job, for example, you know, um, Innovation missions take kind of even that one step further. So if we look at the the areas I've said there, like clean growth or supporting an older population, those are really complicated areas. There isn't one, no matter how innovation mature and how much capacity it has, there is not one big partner that can say, right, we're going to tackle that problem on our own. And yeah. we do have to be realistic as well. You know, I'm going to be you know, no doubt kind of, you know, uh, talking very enthusiastically about the missions that we're going to be launching shortly through Challenge North Tyne. But we are realistic about the fact that we're not going to solve everything immediately. And actually missions can be a really good way of bringing together partners who might, they, they may not be collaborating. They may have had a number of conversations, but mm. they might not be working together as effectively as they would like to. They might not be exchanging information about the issue as effectively as they would like to. And using that as a starting point to say, well, what is the reality of the problem? What is it we're actually trying to solve? And aligning that with what within this, where are there some real opportunities that small and medium businesses can respond to that could really grow their business if they're successful? So the missions are kind of a both and. It's about defining the problem in a collaborative way and then aligning that with what smaller businesses or what innovators within the the environment or with other partners who who could have an answer what they can actively respond with and bringing those two groups together, that problem and that solution more closely together in a more collaborative way so that they can Mm. actually more quickly and more with less resource and less time deliver solutions that have real impact against the missions that we've said are the most important for us to tackle. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a really key point about all of this is that this approach is meant to kind of de-risk, right, and create value mm-hmm. for all the partners involved. So is 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 that because the work is kind of spread out, if you like? So mm-hmm. it isn't it isn't an SME having to do all of the heavy lifting to solve this particular problem, right? They can leverage in the expertise of another SME and then a corporate. So is it those kind of resources being pulled together mm-hmm. that makes this a bit of an a bit of a no-brainer, if you like? Yeah, yeah. I would. Well, I hope so. Um, that is definitely the the approach that we're taking with this one, and it's the the uh, the approach that we've seen work in the past. So, if you think from the starting point of defining the problem, there's some really valuable insights from local government, from research institutes, from corporate partners that have resource to give and research teams to look into this. Who can say this is what we're seeing but then also the ability to bring partners that have resource, whether that's time, you know, test beds or even money, uh, you know, they might be the ones who want to buy the solutions at the end of the day mm. that say, this is a real priority for us. You know, if you're running a program that lasts, for example, two years, in the next two years, this is a priority. And if you can help us solve this problem, there is a real route to market there for businesses. So if we can define that, make it really clear mm-hmm. and then invite businesses around the table that maybe aren't in those supply chains, they're, you know, they're, they're going to trade shows, they're desperately trying to make connections, they're looking for the next growth opportunities. We can bring them into a room where we're saying, here are people who are saying this is a problem and we, re- we really need your solutions. We can facilitate relationship building between that because we've got an accelerator program as part of the Challenge North Tyne project, which will involve both SMEs and partners that they might want to be working with, um, supported by kind of a support program, but crucially that funding. So I mentioned the £5,000 that is not matched funded. So for businesses who know what that means, often with grant funding, you need to match 50% of the value you're getting. That's not the case with this. It's £5,000 upfront to spend on whatever you need to do to validate that your solution works against the challenge that we've launched. So that could be staff time, it could be, you know, access to lab space to test something or to get something certified to demonstrate that it works in the context you're trying to apply it. It could be the cost of running your solution in a test bed that we can coordinate access to with partners. So you can say, right, before, for example, if we're talking about making homes more energy efficient, which is one of our areas of focus, you could plug your solution into a home test bed that we can coordinate with partners Um 
in the challenge for you. You can use the funding to finance the activity and demonstrate the value of it and then continue to have um, those conversations and that co-creation relationship with partners that you've been introduced to, uh, to find, well, if this works, what's the route to adoption? Mm. How do we adopt it? How do we scale it up? That's everything that we're trying to do with this. And okay. any business that's listening will know that's not an easy journey, but we really have seen in the past with some of our other challenge programs that if you engage in this and if the, you can get that right relationship mm. and you can demonstrate impact, that has been a real turning point for a number of relatively small businesses that we've yeah. we've worked with for their own trajectories with their business. Yeah, so there's been some real success stories and that's great. And I think we'll definitely come on to that. And I, I just want to kind of come back a little bit to, you know, what you said, which I thought was really nice about kind of um, mission-led innovation requiring companies to take a leap of faith in, mm -hmm. in a way. And is that because um, everybody has their own perspective on what a problem is, right? But mm -hmm. they don't all... They don't all have the same perspective or they don't all, they all have that kind of limited view of things, right? Mm -hmm. So just talk a little bit more ab about that because I, I think often companies can think we have the all-in-one solution to this, mm -hmm. to this problem. We understand it in its entirety um, and we'll, we'll, we'll go away and we'll, we'll furrow and we'll, we'll work out some sort of solutions. But often with these types of challenges that you're talking mm -hmm. about, like aging and, and decarbonizing the economy, right? Everybody only has like their mm -hmm. sort of version of what that looks like in terms of a solution. So how like, yeah, how, how important is it for companies to understand that they don't have that complete view of things? Mm -hmm. I think it is really important. I think there's a few valuable points that you've touched on. And firstly, um, innovation missions or innovation challenges that particularly the ones that, that we're running, they're relatively short term. They're about, at this stage, a very focused approach to demonstrating that this model works, building relationships with partners and demonstrating impact against kind of priority areas. So, for example, Challenge North Time will run until October of next year. So this October, we're launching our challenges. Uh, our, our businesses will have six, roughly, weeks to apply with their idea. It's a relatively kind of light application form that we've developed to kind of understand, you know, you, do you understand the challenge? Do you have a, an interesting solution? And are you the team that's able to, to you know, um, to realize this at okay. this point? Um, but what I would say is that the, the missions really can um, enable growth and opportunity for businesses at various different levels of you know, um, maturity, if you like. well, I would say kind of of maturity of the idea. So right. you could be lower in the, we use technology readiness levels to describe that frequently. It may be an earlier idea and it's still in its kind of prototype phase, or it could be something that's relatively mature. It's ready to plug in. Um, and regardless of the, the, the age of that, the businesses can, uh, benefit a lot from this process. The one thing I would say is that, and you'll encounter it and you've kind of touched on it there, is that often when you meet a small business, and I've definitely been this person in the past, you're really passionate about the area, you kind of live and breathe mm. the, the thing that you're working on, you, and you, you're really ambitious for your company. So obviously you see the whole system and you develop a solution that addresses the whole system or you're aware of that. And it can be really frustrating to meet bigger businesses where you feel like you've got the answer. Yeah, you've got the answer to their problems and they just won't get around the table with you. It's so annoying. And I think that this is what the kind of a mission can enable. It enables, from what I've seen, you bring key partners together to say, you know, what are our, what is the thing we're trying to solve? What are the shared priorities? And we can focus a mission on those within this time frame because we know that we've got the buy-in for us to tackle this. So let's define a mission around this. Let's bring also SMEs around the table to help define that because we don't want to launch a mission that we haven't got the, you know, the, the expertise in our region because mm. this is a regional program to actually respond to. We can launch that challenge with all the support around it and then build those relationships between those businesses with the solution and the businesses with the problem who hopefully a good number of them are potential end customers or who can access, who can open access to finance routes, maybe through sector-specific funding or other um, applications that can be made to really revolutionise the growth of that business. 
what is I think really important is that, you know, having the solution, getting the solution adopted, as we all know, is really hard. And actually the things that can be preventing an SME from getting that seeing the growth that they want, seeing the impact that they yeah, want through their solution. Yeah, to market, if you like, yeah. Yeah, is that they they aren't fully aware of, the, sometimes the really boring stuff, like what systems does this need to integrate with? What, you know, funding is available? I might be having really valuable conversations with an operational lead who desperately wants this, but they might not be the best person to be negotiating with the procurement team or putting the case forward to their, you know, uh, head of department who has to sign off any of these programs. So you could end up with a great pilot that dies in that kind of yeah. that kind of proof of concept trench because it can't make that leap. The mission approach can enable you to have both operational staff and senior decision makers around the table saying, well, this is a real priority, but I just know at the moment we don't have the funding or the capacity to address it. Yeah. We do have the capacity to address this area um, and we can therefore make that clearer with, you know, other partners. There might be other partners around the table who are saying, yep, we can support that. We can get involved. We can put some of our resource into the into the pot and then we can publish that openly. So any business, whether in supply chain or not, can tap into that and realize that opportunity if they've got the right solution because they've got people around the table saying we really need something that can do this show us you can do it and it speeds up that process enormously absolutely absolutely no i think that kind of theme of breaking down barriers mm -hmm. and enabling conversations to happen that wouldn't otherwise happen is something that that this mission-led mm -hmm. approach is is very is very good at isn't it so yeah and there's one more thing i think that you were kind of touching on okay. there is that trust in the process mm. and it's why we often sometimes we talk about anchor partners the sort of the the partners that we've got that maybe they're based in the region but they want to work with businesses within the region on certain things and they've got the both the innovation capacity to maybe provide some staff time to make test beds available They've got innovation process, so if something works, they know how to adopt it and they can be clear in what that process is. Um, but they also maybe there's this funding available through that partner. And often when you're digging when you're dealing with something really messy and you're trying to figure out what the opportunity is, having a few partners like that around the table do de-risk it for all involved, because there can be less innovation mature partners who really want to solve the problem as well, but they don't have that level of resource or yeah, ability. But they trust that the larger partners do, right? Yes, and they yeah. can. They want to learn so they can come around the table, build relationships and build their own ability to innovate by virtue of experiencing it live. And also, you know, we can be confident saying to SMEs, there's a real opportunity here because we know there's this route to adoption that this partner can open up to them. And then by getting other partners around the table, we can open up more routes to adoption than we'd previously seen. And SMEs can come and meet a whole host of businesses in a very short period of time that could, you know, one, adopt their solution if it works, but also they can build groups of businesses that, you know, need their solution and can value working together. Um, and to go back just one step to the, the trust thing, um, it is really interesting. Like some of the most valuable collaborators I've ever worked with have been the individuals who, you get them involved in like a collaborative workshop, to, for example, as a starting point to see what can we potentially do? What are the priorities we need to address? And they might even, you know, like might, they might take the pen, they might be standing in front of the whiteboard and they might be preventing anyone from putting anything down because they're saying, no, I've been doing this for 20, 30 years. Every five years yeah. or so, someone tries to do this. Nothing you're going to tell me is going to make me believe realize. that yeah. this is doable. It's just another exercise. We're going to be in the same place we were five years ago. And... I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, those people can be blockers to the process sometimes, mm. but also some of the greatest advocates, both for the mission itself, but also for the smaller businesses that we introduce to the, yeah. to the, to the, to the, to the process. Uh, they can be the greatest advocates for those because the reason they're being so obstructive is that they actually really care mm. and they've seen lots of half-hearted or ill-thought-through change exercises that just disrupt things that make things harder and disrupt things for their team. Yeah. And if you can build that kind of trust with those kind of partners, they can be the greatest advocates for the solutions that you need to get on board. And that's a big part of the process as well. So 
Everyone has focused on business as usual. I can't pretend that this whole messy process is easy. Uh, It's really rewarding, but it's definitely not easy because we're trying to get people to step away from their day job, which is very demanding, to spend some time thinking about what things could be done differently. And what you're ultimately trying to do is to get people to step away from their vested interests of, I need something that can meet these KPIs to something that's a bit more expansive to, well, actually, what could we do together if we did something differently? Yeah. And that takes a while to do. So it's useful to what we're trying to do through the challenge program, Challenge North Tyne, is to build that understanding of the process and trust of the process in key business clusters. So our challenges, and I'll talk a bit more about this, are in aging and longevity and in um, decarbonizing homes. And we're building the relationships with key clusters and um supply chains so that key partners understand the value of this they trust in the process and they can see the value that comes out of it and that does take time so i'd say if anyone's looking to launch challenge you want to be building those relationships iteratively get people around the table and don't it's that whole de-risking the process it's very difficult to ask a partner for a load of staff time and funding to run a challenge um from day one unless you've worked with them previously and they, they you have got a bit of a track record with them what you can do is to you know to help define the challenge, help to identify, well, what resource can we tap into and what is maybe a very commonly used term, but low hanging fruit, some quick wins that we can enable through a very small, very defined mission or challenge that we launch. We tackle that one and then we build on that success. And I think that's the thing, you know, depending on the complexity of the problem you're trying to solve, you as a, you know, mission champion, if you want to say that, if you're the one kind of leading on a program or trying to get something kicked off, um, you need to be aware of innovation always takes longer than you think it's going to. It's always tougher. It's always more tiring. Uh, There's always bumps in the road that you don't anticipate. Don't bite off way more than you can chew. Have that North Star that you want to move towards that ultimate goal. But then think about with the resource and the time that you've got, how can you do maybe a pilot to demonstrate how this type of collaborative approach works and then do more complex projects that build on that as time goes on and as you then have the relationships and the um, the you know track record to, to pull on when you want to have that kind of buy-in for really kind of big chunky problems that you're trying to tackle. Yeah, yeah, I, lo- I love that. It, 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 it's it's that long-term perspective, isn't it? You know, these challenges that we're talking about are long-term kind mm-hmm. of structural issues. So, you know, a kind of uh, weekend-long design sprint or like 48-hour startup or, do you know what I mean? These mm-hmm. kind of uh, short-term solutions aren't necessarily what we need. So I think, yeah, absolutely right. And of course, if it is a frustrating process and uh, there's a lot of bumps on the road and, and, and setbacks and things like that, it makes it all the more worthwhile, right, when you do mm-hmm. come up with a, with a solution and, and have some success. And I think that's probably where I'd like to come on to next, really, in terms of uh, you've been doing this for a little while now in the Northeast. And have there been any companies uh, or programs that, that, that have started to kind of chip away at, at some of these issues and are you starting to see some kind of green shoots around um, the challenges that you, that you mentioned, obviously uh, decarbonisation and, and, and healthy ageing and things like that? Mm-hmm. Are you starting to see the impact of some of this stuff? We, I think we will definitely start to see impact next year when we have the challenges live at this current stage for this programme. The challenges are launching in October. Um, but we are really seeing, you know, we've we're not the first people to this party by any means in the areas of, of aging and um, decarbonizing homes. Um, there's lots of partners that have been working in this space for a long time. And I think the one thing that we always say is that because missions are meant to be collaborative, we are absolutely not here to reinvent the wheel. Mm. This is kind of an additional support program and funding mechanism that helps to clarify what some of our priorities are and give money to the innovative SMEs that are able to address these. So we're definitely building on the successes of of other um, organisations with the um, challenge of delivering energy efficient um, net zero homes. We are working informally with a wide range of partners in the region, networks and key stakeholders from whether they are social housing providers or construction firms or kind of local authorities who might be the clients for or managers of large home estates 
to architects and researchers who are documenting how do we effectively measure kind of, you know, redu reduced carbon footprint or reduced energy use. So um, there's definitely a lot to build on. And similarly with aging, we work closely with the National Innova Innovation Centre for Aging. Yeah. Um, we've been collaborating with um, U3A, that is a national membership group of older individuals to engage in lifelong learning and um, other hobbies. And, you know, there's a lot of, I think that for us, this is one step on journeys that people have been on for a while. Mm. What I'm really excited about are the opportunities that we'll start to see as a direct result of this program when it launches in October. Um, we've got some great partners around the table. We've got a huge number of, for example, test beds available and end user groups that we've coordinated for SMEs. If you have an idea and you want to show that it works, we can make within reason, almost any testing opportunity available to you. So you can really right, demonstrate okay. to partners. This is, um, uh, this, yeah, this works. Like, look, we can show early traction. Tell us what it is that, you know, would motivate you to want to know more about this and to adopt this. And we can then use testbed to yeah. see if we're on the right path. And if we're not on the right path, learn from that and pivot as well. Cause innovation is never a hundred percent successful. Yeah, but that feedback, right, from the end users, like super important throughout the mm -hmm. process because, again, it, it's everyone has their own sort of biases and, and, and sort of limited view of things. And really, it's only, I mean, normally it's only when you actually get to the market, right? And mm -hmm. you say, well, do people buy it or whatever, you know that it that it works. So, yeah, that, that kind of feedback piece is, is really important. And I think it would be useful just to kind of... Uh, sort of chat through the the, the kind of timeline of, of this. So obviously, is the first stage for you guys to identify appropriate partners to bring together? Mm -hmm. and, and then I guess once you've once you've done that, is it about arranging like conversations to happen between people? Or do you just kind of is it is it quite a um, hands off sort of process, you know, you put people together and then you kind of trust them mm -hmm. to come up with the solutions and, and work together. Or, or does it have to be quite a, a kind of structured approach where you're regularly kind of taking the temperature of how projects are going and mm -hmm. speaking to partners and saying, actually, remember guys, we're supposed to be tackling this problem or how, <laughs> yeah, like how does that kind of go? I think it really depends. I can talk you through our process, but obviously there are multiple different ways of tackling this. Mm. I think one thing to bear in mind is if you're un if you're undertaking a, an innovation challenge or an innovation mission, um, how complex do you think it is? So um, one example might be a typical industry challenge where, you know, um, I think kind of one example might be you've got one or a couple of partners in a pharmaceutical industry they recognize that there is inefficiency in their process and they need to improve that. And they want to work with external partners that can solve X. Mm. Um, and that is, you know, that whilst that is, you know, a very technically complicated thing to address, um, the problem is in some ways relatively well understood and crucially the partners have a lot of control. They've got control of the supply chain, they've got control of their facilities. If they say this is important, they can make it happen. If you look conversely at like, how do we support an aging population to live happier and more independently for more years? That's a much bigger problem that we've got a much smaller ability to control. Mm. So we need a more collaborative approach to it. And it's worth bearing in mind how complex is the issue you're looking at. Um, so if I can reflect on one, on a couple of past challenges we've run, I mentioned the COVID-19 challenge program that we ran. Okay. The two challenges that came out of that, that we felt we could make some um, progress towards in the six month runway that we had to, to um, demonstrate some impact were um, about businesses that have been really hit hard by venues having to close okay. and by people and communities that were suffering because they weren't getting the in-home or in-community services that they needed to maintain their quality of life. Yeah, so, that face-to-face -face interaction sort of fell away. So, mm -hmm. you know, how many, God, how many businesses and industries and communities are affected by that turns? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one was kind of, we, we framed it as um, together again, adapting the delivery of safe and engaging in-person events. So we worked with loads of organisations around the region from art and culture, sports, tourism, leisure, to say, right, our venues have closed a lot of our, you know, 
we need a lot of our business models are dependent on getting people back around the table but also um you know we've we're unsure about how long we're going to be closed for and we need to either maybe look at new business models and be ready to reopen when mm. we're given the go ahead so what do we need to have in place what would make people feel safer what might open some new revenue for us and that was what i would call a very almost like a cluster type challenge mm. because a lot of the partners involved they tend to be smaller they might be very creative and innovative but a lot of their innovation goes towards like their program so think about yeah. you know we work with the likes of the sage and the baltic um and other like big venues down city others around the region but a lot of their innovation activity is around well how do we deliver the most engaging program how do we support yeah. new artists Best and dancers and creatives and, yeah. they don't have a dedicated program for business model redefinition or testing out you know yeah. technical solu solutions for example so really creative businesses, but ones that did not have the capacity to deliver a challenge on their own. Mm. So they really benefited from all of them getting around the table, sharing their shared frustrations. And obviously we couldn't do everything, but what we could do was explore different ways of them profitably or sustainably running their businesses going forward and connect them with the organizations that were super innovative and could solve a piece of the puzzle. So some of the solutions we were seeing to how do we get people safely together again or look for alternatives where that isn't viable. We had businesses that were looking at um, antiviral and antimicrobial air filtration, treatments you could put on tables and touch points so that viruses weren't being spread around, um, digital solutions that would manage the foot flow in venues and redirect people in different areas so you didn't get hotspots or people kind of standing too close to each other when that was not either not allowed or wasn't desirable to people. Yeah. There might be people who are worried about re-entering venues if those protections weren't in place. There were digital solutions to how can we capture and present in-person performances better so that we can open up um, other income streams to these yeah, venues. Um, and that was a really interesting challenge. We had some really great stories of success. I think there's a video case study from Southport Dance Company, okay. a really creative dance company, but that was a dance company that used the support to develop a virtual platform called Myriad to capture and share via uh, smart devices. So they could have like online audiences yeah, join. Physical right. performances. So either you could be at home watching performance you wouldn't, wouldn't otherwise see, or you could get an augmented reality view of the stage so you could see more things about kind of choreography details uh, okay. or information about the, you know, um, uh, further information about the performance. And, you know, some really exciting ideas there. So that would be an example of a challenge that's really necessary, but you probably need to build a cluster of businesses to make it work because none of those businesses necessarily have the capacity to run a challenge on their own, but they've all got the same problem. And if you can validate that a problem works in one of their venues, it can work yeah. in almost all of the venues with minimal change. So you've got a whole host of businesses now. You've got, if a bit, if an SME is dedicating their attention towards developing a solution, they can develop a solution that works in multiple contexts. So they've got a use case, but they know that use case can apply with other partners and they've taken those partners on the journey. So it's a lot easier to get that adopted. And you've got you've got way more potential customers from one inter one. Um, innovation activity than you otherwise would. Yeah, that's the sweet spot, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's where you've got a number of a number of organisations that have the same issue, but sort of by themselves can't really you mm -hmm. know, find a solution to that issue. So it, Absolutely, it, it creates yeah. a. It's like pushing it an open door then, mm -hmm. because right they they have this problem they need to solve it, but they can't do it. They can't yeah. do it on their own. And what keeps coming up, Sarah, is like many hands make light work. Isn't Absolutely, it? You know, you put, yeah. You, put our heads together and mm -hmm. we'll, we'll work this out. And it's great to, to hear that that is kind of working in, in practice as well. And mm -hmm. I mean, with the kind of hospitality and uh, events venues we saw, we, mm -hmm. we saw that when we re-entered those, those places, we, we saw how um, there's some really like innovative solutions to uh, people like issues about public, public safety and, and hygiene and, and stuff. And a lot of that stuff's continued as well, mm -hmm. which, is obviously of benefit to the organisations and to the people visiting them. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's it's a really it's a really exciting thing to to sort of be involved in. And I think the other thing I wanted to kind of come on to was 
given given that it is about those uh, finding solutions to common challenges, if there is a business out there that has this problem but isn't aware of of mission led mm-hmm. innovation, isn't aware of that these sort of clusters are available and, and is just trying to do everything themselves, I guess what what advice would you give to them to sort of encourage them? Um, well, firstly, I'm always open to have conversations with anyone who wants to do this type of work. It's, you know, in some ways I would say that, you know, it's common sense, but there are so many different moving parts that it is difficult to keep and maintain momentum towards these. So I'm always open to having conversations if anyone does want to explore um, some of the methods we've used that have worked well and how they might work in the context of whatever problem an organization's facing. Um, we do have the Challenge Northeast website, um, and that does have a basically a, a form that you can fill in to say that, you know, whether you're an SME that has a solution or an interest in applying a solution to a certain area, or whether you are, you know, a, um, you might not be eligible for the funding you, we can provide, but you might actually be the organization that has the problem, whether you might be a, a charity or a community group or a larger organization um, or an NGO if you've got a problem that you want to solve and you need introductions to partners, you're more than welcome to, you know, put some details within that and we can make whatever connections that we can. You know, at Innovation Super Network, we try to say whether the network of networks, we try to be connected to everyone who's doing just about everything in some capacity in the Northeast. So yeah. happy to make those introductions for you. Um, from a practical point of view, if you're trying to tackle this, I would say um, focus on building trust with those key partners. It might be pulling on relationships with existing partners that you've worked with that are keen to get around the table. You will not be able to get everyone around the table. Um, so that can be a factor. If there's someone who a, a project cannot work without, that might be a difficult, uh, you know, difficult thing to manage. And it, there's no, there's no necessarily easy solution to that. What I would say is that, you know, focus on the areas where you can demonstrate impact and build those relationships Um, so you can benefit from from them in the future, not just from single individuals who might leave and might go on to somewhere else, but with the organization as a whole, both key decision makers and those frontline staff who really understand the problem. Yeah. And, and I guarantee that from what we've heard is that even big, what we might call innovation mature organizations, they don't collaborate externally as well as they would like. Their innovation processes are not nearly as fast or efficient as they would like. That is the same across the board. Um, and they really benefit from bringing together their kind of like senior staff with staff who really understand the problem and can tell them what will work and what won't in terms of what a solution needs to do to be actually effective. Mm. And we didn't build the program this way, but so it, from January, what with this particular program, Challenge North Tyne, our challenges will launch in October. Um, we will ask small and medium-sized businesses that operate north of Tyne to put in an application with their idea, relatively short, um, by the end of November, if they're interested in getting involved in the programme. And before we break for Christmas, we'll let you know if you've been successful in that. And then in January, you'll be getting your up to £5,000 and a six-month accelerator programme. That programme will also involve operational staff that you can work with as you need, from key partners that you want to work with, that you tell us that you want to work with. You don't have to work with anyone you don't want to, but if you do want those introductions, we have built the process to, to enable those. And one of the things we didn't un- appreciate, because I think we thought, oh, we've got these big partners, they've got innovation teams, they're all trained, they've got funding, you know, they they know what they're doing. Um, what we didn't anticipate was how much positive feedback we got from some of those partners Mm. who've been involved in past accelerators that actually their staff wanted to be involved more. They wanted to, they'd been trained in innovation, but this was an opportunity for them to actually put into action Mm. to identify the solutions that they knew would work and to champion the businesses that they knew could make a real change if they could get the buy-in. So they kind of went above and beyond. Yeah, they were the ones who kind of said, look, this could potentially work. I want to get these these businesses as part of this process in front of Steve, Jane and Danny, for example, who hold the the purse strings, who have very little time in the diary. But if it's a a kind of validated innovation program and we can really make um, movement against what we've said in our business plan or to our regulator or to our stakeholders... Um, that we have to do, that really speeds things up. And some of the 
greatest transformations we saw against really complicated areas were from very small but very innovative businesses that had those doors open to them. So yeah. the benefit to those staff from the, the partners who wanted to solve the problem and the benefit to the small and medium-sized businesses that were doing something really innovative was, was massive. And it was great to see the ongoing relationships that have happened as an example of um, past projects. And I give from the, the other challenge that I didn't go into depth about, the uh, Challenge Northeast COVID programme, Mm. Um, we had one challenge that I would say that kind of this is more what I would call a, a systemic challenge. So right, you try, okay. yeah, you're trying to solve something. So the challenge was um, safe again, adapting the delivery of in-home and in-community services. We had partners like local government, um, health and social care, um, you know, community groups and foundations and, you know, sports charities, and hobbies and like charities that, right? involved. Yeah. We also had a number of utilities providers involved because they have a mandate to respond to vulnerable customers, but also their staff were still out on the front line fixing pipes and yeah. telling people that there might be an interruption in their service. Um, and they recognised that they were one of the... They weren't, they weren't necessarily going into people's homes, which is causing pro problems, but they were one of the few touch points that still remained. They were still going to speak to people on the doorstep and saying, we're going to be carrying out these works just so you know. And they were identifying things that, you know, local authorities or other key service providers really wanted to know. And we were trying to figure out, could we create a more shared view of kind of, of need and direct support more effectively if we shared our insights? And what was really interesting off the back of that challenge, like that whole system, if you've got one individual who maybe has different complex needs, they may have issues that are getting worse as the result mm -hmm. of not accessing the services that they need, what we were calling hidden fires. Everyone's physical and mental health declined, um, no matter how kind of robust you were during lockdown. Of course. And how could we take the kind of mass those insights to better direct service provision? And what we've seen off the back of that, there've been some um, smaller companies that have, you know, very technically adept founders, but might have been even pre-trade or very early business, mm -hmm. have totally seen their businesses revolutionized because they got involved in that systemic challenge. They got to meet with all of these partners. Those partners were forced to make, to like define, well, what actually is the problem and where are the points in this system where we can do something? And where in reality can we just not do something because the systems aren't there, the will isn't there, it's too hard, it's not sufficiently pressing for us at the moment. Yeah. And we could direct small businesses to the parts of that that would really work. And we're now seeing businesses that are in kind of like health and care tech that yeah. are developing solutions for um, carers and really kind of vulnerable um, citizens that have been, that are growing massively quickly, that are delivering kind of pilot and scale projects across the country now right, off the okay, back of yeah. that um, that project because we've made introductions with them with key partners. So um, working quite closely with Northern Gas Networks on the um, decarbonizing homes challenge. Yeah. Uh, how do we deliver energy efficient net zero homes? One of the number of partners, because obviously retrofitting and new build is a key part of that as well. But we're working quite closely with them because they... Um, have test beds that can be used and they actually their operational staff opened up a number of doors in our past COVID program oh, for okay. businesses that were looking to better support the needs of vulnerable citizens yeah. um, and they've made introductions to um, gas distributors around the country and other infrastructure providers that has really revolutionized and you know kind of uh, really shot into the stratosphere a number of small businesses from really talented founders but were struggling to get the introductions to get in front of the right people with their ideas that now as a result of that mechanism are and we've you know there's some really exciting success stories that we're going to be talking about oh, um, in the not too distant future when we get sign off from those businesses to right, shout about yeah. it in the press I, th I think that's it isn't it? it it's it only takes one solution that works to totally uh, reverberate throughout the industry because everybody everybody has the same problem and they all mm -hmm. want that solution. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the the case to to an SME for doing this and getting involved is that if you have the the IP or the product mm -hmm. that is going to enable this solution, 
there's no limits, right? Yeah. Because every single organization within this sector has the same issue and wants what, what you have to offer. So I guess just to, just to finish off, Sarah, you know, my, like in, in full view of the complexity of different types of challenges that we're mm-hmm. no doubt going to have to address through these um, programs and I mean, you probably feel like it's just tip of the iceberg, right? Like <laughs> a few that you've worked on recently and there's there's a few other ones that are coming out at the moment as a result of all of the energies, the situations and, and other things that are happening. So I guess how does mission-led innovation sort of fit into the future and do you think it has a, a bit of a a bit of a big role to play or a, mm-hmm. a bigger role to play moving forward um in in terms of addressing some of these problems and and enabling businesses to talk to each other and all of those really good things do you think mission-led innovation has a has a bright future um i do think it does have a bright future i think it's going to become increasingly part of the conversation like i said there's a lot of really great innovation mission or innovation challenge work that's been going on in the region for a long time. Um, Much of it we've had some involvement with as well. Um, I think what I'm really excited about is um, kind of my commitment or my personal goal is that, you know, innovation missions still a bit fuzzy. I was touching there on some of the um, different types of mission you can tackle and the different issues that you might encounter as you try to successfully tackle a problem using that as a mechanism. our team are really committed to making that a lot more clear. So through Challenge North Tyne, we're going to be publishing more to the wider community around what type of challenge might you be facing? How do you define it? What sort of resources do you need? And what might a runway look like for the successful delivery of that? Um, So there's some really great success stories and there's lots of organisations and programmes in the region delivering this approach, albeit maybe in slightly different different ways that they're doing it, but that's delivering this approach um, really meaningfully. And I think just looking from a Northeast specific point of view, we sometimes have a bit of a chip on our shoulder. Maybe we feel like we don't get the investment nas- compared to some other regions as we would like. Maybe feel like we're kind of, you know, the, you know, punching above our weight or trying to sometimes. And I do believe whilst not being too Pollyanna-ish and too kind of naive about the challenges that we face in trying to tackle some of these big problems. We're really well-placed to use this effectively because businesses in the Northeast are like excellent problem solvers. Mm -hmm. We're used to just getting out there and getting stuff done, not necessarily, you know, waiting for a big kind of investment round to do something. And what I think the mission approach can do is it can take that innate problem solving ability and that ability just to do something on the fly Mm. that works but then let's capture it and scale it up let's get that plugged into the places where it needs to be used so business can do not just you know ad hoc projects but taking something and scaling it up and that really being a growth engine for their business I think what we see if we look at the kind of figures is that we're actually, we are really good at innovating, but the area that we fall down in is what we call co-creating with industry, co-creating with our supply chain. The Almost the, the lowest risk place to innovate is with in collaboration with others, with the supply chain. It's going to the partners and saying, what is your problem? And we'll develop a solution in response. And what we do a bit more of is internal development and whilst we're getting better at putting that out there sooner and developing in a lean yeah. and iterative way, I think the missions can really help that to make sure that our efforts are truly dedicated at the areas where impact is most needed. And I think, you know, as a as a region, we are excellently placed to do that. We've got the talent, we've got the skill. Mm. We're used to kind of adapting on the fly. And self-sufficiency. Yeah, self-sufficiency. <laughs> and and I think, you know, and shouting about some of the success stories that we've seen. And I think one of the most exciting things for me is seeing businesses, you know, making those introductions um, between different partners, giving a bit of support to to help that relationship off the ground, to balance the playing field. So it's not just, you know, big partner with a problem and an SME doing the dance in order to get through the front door. It's actually a genuine collaboration. And using kind of the mission-led approach to do that is massively successful in either developing the relationships that will deliver real change or showing businesses, actually, we didn't know everything about the problem and we've got to do a bit more work and pivot a bit 
with this rather than slugging away at something that's not going to generate the impact that we want to have. And I think that the really rewarding thing for me thus far has been working with some of these innovators who have amazing knowledge of their field, have, you know, real drive to do something differently. And they are more than up to the challenge of tackling some of these big problems if we just give them the foot in the door and some support yeah. to make innovation happen. Give them the tools they need to to, to do what they're mm-hmm. already planning to do anyway. No, I think it's I think it's brilliant work, Sarah. And and yeah, good luck to to you and the team moving forward. Uh, and yeah, I'm sure we'll see many more challenges uh, launched in in the in the years to come. And excited. Uh, really excited to, to see what happens next so thanks so much thank you so much and if I could be so bold as to make a quick plug oh um, yeah absolutely I would be really happy to have conversations with anyone who um, is interested in our program uh, or connect you to the best member of the team to speak to you uh, my name is Sarah Cox um, it's Sarah with an H so if you email Sarah at supernetwork.org.uk I can put you in contact with the right individual alternatively if you want to know more about the Challenge North Time programme that is launching and register your interest go to challengenortheast.co.uk and a member of our team will be in touch perfect thanks Sarah brilliant okay take care thank you so much cheers